We invite you to the Word of God, to the book of Genesis today. This, of course, is a special weekend. This is our winter grace time, and our sermon goes along with what Tim will be preaching at the next two hours. Our generous God, and he has selected as our text the very beginning verses of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. We're glad to have you visiting with us today, and we ask you to join in with us as we study the Word together. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from darkness. God called the light day, the darkness he called night, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Our generous God gives. The text before us is a very wonderful text. I know you've all studied it often and from different perspectives. Sometimes you look at this from the perspective of just literature. Sometimes we study this from the standpoint of trying to get a handle on the created order, kind of scientifically. Often we study it even this far back spiritually. Today I want to give just a little brief overview of this particular text, noting a few things that are here. By no means are we going to even mention all that God tells us in this text. This is the very first writing concerning God, and it's right that Moses and the priests that put together all of the scriptures and all their sources and everything that was done before Christ came ordered it in such a way that this was always in the Hebrew Bible and every translation since the very first. In fact, that's what the word Genesis means. It means first. It means origins. And here we find some of the most meaningful things stated briefly and poetically. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The thing we'll notice all the way through the Bible that the major actor is God. It is so in this text. It talks about God creating the heavens and the earth. It talks about the Spirit of God at work. And God said, and God saw, and God separated, and God called, and God made. Over and over and over, this is a declaration of what God has done. 
In fact, it begins the very text with God at the very beginning. Notice it says, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. Before there was a beginning, there's God. God is eternal. God is eternally existent. His aseity, that is his existence, is the first premise of all of reality. Those that are struggling with the notion of the existence of God need to quit your anguish and ponder the existence of yourself. Because you wouldn't be here if there wasn't, first of all, a God who created you. And God in his creative power, his omniscience and his omnipotence, powerfully and wonderfully spoke into existence everything that is. The very first molecule of the cosmos was the product of God's speaking, the creative word. And here we have the perfect cosmogony, that is the genesis or the origin of the cosmos. The heavens, all of the space and the expanse above and the earth, this planet we live on, they're, in a sense, they're contrasted. Have you ever contemplated the immensity of space? The light years, the distances, the size of the heavenly bodies? What appears a twinkle in the night is a star billions of miles away. It's much larger than our sun. Then there is that which is infinitesimal by comparison. This little planet, this place we're on. God created it all. The massive universe and the concentrated planet, Earth. And there's the range of God's capacities. A star, a simple, huge, gaseous ball of very few elements and very few processes but huge, immense, and far away. And here's the tiny little earth with thousands of processes taking place, chemical and electromagnetic, and on and on we can go in our science class as we try to explore the wonders of God's universe and God's creation. And God spoke it into existence but not only did he give us the expanse, the space, the immensity, but he also gave us the dimension of time in the beginning. God constructed space and time. Both are part of the created order. There'll be a, a day... Ironically, when time will be no more. 
into the unfathomable notion of God's eternality and his immensity comes the notion of finitude, that which is finite, and that which he has created for specific purpose. And this is what God did in the creation. When he created the heavens and the earth, he created it for purpose. And he placed within the earth, the planet, and the atmosphere, and the surroundings of the planet, everything the planet would need to sustain the program that God had in mind for the period of time in which he had in mind. From the creation to the consummation. That's why those of you who are fretting about the planet and are worried that maybe some period of time from now, somewhere between, I've heard lately, 12 years and infinity, there'll be a time when the planet's temperature will change. It will heat up or cool off. Some things may melt. Some things may freeze. The oceans may come up a little higher. The oceans may recede. Fossil fuels may run out. Fossil fuels may be abandoned. All sorts of dire things the doomsday people tell us. But I'm here to tell you that all of those processes and all of those things are going to take place according to God's order. And if the oceans rise, they won't rise any further than God wants them to rise. And if fossil fuels run out, it won't be a day before God wants them to run out. God has created this earth as a theater, an arena for his purposes. And that's why he's provident and good over all the earth and bestows upon the earth. The scripture says here that the original order of the universe, that it was without form and void. In other words, it was formless. There was no structure to it. This created order was not order at that point. It was empty. There was no content to it. What we have in the first verse here is the presence of God. That is, God in all eternity creating time and creating space. Giving us a beginning and an ending and a universe. And in that provision of his presence, he moves forward to put within the universe everything the universe will need. So we find God is present and active and creating and speaking and determining his presence. He is there and he is not inactive. He's busy. He has a work to do. He has a plan in mind. He has a purpose. He has a program. And he's going to take this little theater that he's built and he's going to work out a great drama that's going to bring glory to his name for all eternity. And so into this void and into this amorphous formlessness, God speaks. And into this formless void, he brings form. 
And it's done, of course, by the Spirit of God, the breath of God, the wind of God, the third person of the triune God. The earth is formed. And the way God forms things is He separates to start with. He starts with broad categories. He First, He looks at the great expanse, and He sees the massive waters. And so He separates waters above from waters below. Atmosphere, clouds, ozone layers from the waters below. And then he separates again. He separates the waters below from the dry land. The way God works is he makes distinctions. He makes separation. God is the great divider and the great decider. It's true in creation. It's true in redemption. God is the one that sets the mark. He's the one that says, this far and no further to the sea. He's the one that tells the atmosphere, you stay up there and continue to do what's necessary to support. And here's the key thing, life. God took the formlessness of the primordial creation and made form by separating and limiting and determining. But then he took the void, the emptiness of creation, and he filled it. He filled it. He filled the earth. And the way God fills the earth is he puts everything into the earth that the earth needs for life and for perpetuating that life. All the resources that are needed to sustain life are placed into this little theater, this little planet. He has the plant kingdom to consume certain chemicals and give off certain gases. And then he creates the animal kingdom to consume those gases and put off certain minerals so that it perpetuates and continues, in a sense, a life unto itself, yet deriving true life from God Himself. God creates, and if we go through the rest of the story here in chapter 1, and then the further delineation and repetition of the order of it in chapter 2 of Genesis, we would see much more of the particulars we don't have to look into today. But here's what God has done. He has put in all the resources for life, plant life, animal life in the earth. He's given it everything it needs to sustain life. Natural life, we call it. Nature. The creation. But the purpose of God, the plan of God, the play, the drama that's going to unfold on planet earth is going to go way beyond natural life. Life in time. Life in place. It's going to go all the way to eternal life. As far as our text went today, we saw two of the great elements that sustain life. Light. We talk about the Lord saying, let there be light, separating the light from the darkness. He's forming again, making a separation, a delineation. 
It's absolutely necessary for light to be on the planet for a certain amount of hours and a certain amount of angles over a certain amount of time we call seasons in order for life to be sustained. The cycle of the season, the growing season, all of that. Photosynthesis. There's no plants without light. God gives light to sustain life. And then he gives the dynamic of water. It takes water to sustain life. Plants, animals, the two great divides of the created order don't survive without water. And of course, if we're just naturalists, we'll continue this study further. We'll get microscopes and telescopes and we'll get uh, all kinds of lab equipment and we'll begin to work on trying to understand all about life and all about the bios, the bios, the life, and all about the zoe, the, the life of the, of the zoo, the zoology, the kingdom. And we'll study these sciences and we'll study them forever and we'll get more and more into it and we'll be completely absorbed about it and we'll miss the point. Because the real point is God has put a planet in order that he might bestow life, real life. And that came when he breathed into the nostrils of his created man, breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living soul. And then when man fell, and in the drama of redemption, when God decides he will redeem his lost Humanity. He will restore that lost life. That life now that had degenerated into nothing but a sentence of death. That life he had created with his own hands right out of the earth. He said, dust thou art and to dust thou shalt return. God's not happy with that. He looked at the created order and he said, it's good. He looked at fallen sinners and he said, it's bad. It's sad. It's pathetic. Let me do something. And once again... He said, what do I need to bring forth life? I need light. So he sent us the light of the world, Jesus Christ, to come and be our Savior. He's the light of life, John says in his gospel. The Lord said, what else do I need? He said, I need water. And so he gave us the water of life. And the Lord says, come and drink of the water of life and have salvation and eternal life so that your particular life goes beyond the created moment and the hour of consummation, but it extends into all eternity with the Lord. And what? A new heaven and a new earth which God is creating for those who love Him. Will you not take the water of life today and drink freely? Will you not walk in the light of the countenance of God in Jesus Christ, in the face of Jesus Christ? And if you want to connect these two together, there's a beautiful little verse. I don't know what in the world Paul was thinking when he wrote this. He may not have been thinking so much at all. He may have just been yielded to the spirit of the inspiring spirit of God when he wrote, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. 
Is your life lighted by the gospel so that you're able to see in the darkness and the chaos the face of Jesus Christ, the face of your Savior, the face of the one who loved you, that gave himself for you, the face of the one who longs to be yours and you to be his for all eternity?